This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. Into the end zone for the touchdown. Hollywood Brown has been spectacular. Connor to the five and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Bring it on, bring it on. Touchdown, Saban Collins. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. All right, the bye week is upon us. And before Danny Sarek and Darren Herman say bye for the week, we're going to bust out this edition of Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. I think the question off the top that most is most relevant, uh, as Paulie Podcast thinks out loud, do we need to revisit or review the expectations and standards during the bye week? Of the podcast? No, just for conduct thereof. Uh, Once you're away from the facility and you're enjoying said bye week. You want to self-scout Cardinals Underground? As Bruce Arians (laughs) used to say, don't be the guy, including me. B.A. used to include himself in the rules and regulations and the expectations. Probably a good idea. Are we good, Danny? You good? uh, You're good on what's expected by the time you get back next Monday. There are no expectations, Paul. So yeah, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I'm pretty good on the okay. expectations. All right. Okay. Uh, she's a little incredulous that uh, you know I'm throwing out there that you know there would ever be any question about anyone's conduct during the bye week. I mean, my goodness, you know, especially after a feel good win like that in Pittsburgh. I'm a little confused though. I thought it was the Steelers who win at home in December under Mike Tomlin because the record was 29 and 11, and the Cardinals went in there. And they beat the Stillers at their own game. Did they not? I'm just glad that you're here on this Tuesday, finally dried off after being down on the field through those two weather delays, Paul. It was a process. I tried I tried to get the officiating crew. I tried to convince them that we were past the fifth inning and the Cardinals had the lead. Just call the game and everyone can get back on Redbird 1. That I asked that same question in the press yeah, box. Didn't work. Um, but yeah, that, I've never been through something like that and it was the lightning obviously because they'll play through anything and they have we've all seen it that's why you got to call it a weather delay not a rain delay because it wasn't a rain delay it was early second quarter i looked across the sideline and the steelers uh, crew started putting tarps over everything Uh oh that's not a good sign i looked to my left and the cardinals equipment guys were putting tarps over everything i said they know something i don't and about five minutes later deluge oh and it was just coming down sideways and that's what was most remarkable to me about that 99 yard drive was that the Cardinals did it in that driving rain. And there was a wind in the face of Kyla Murray. And they still converted five third downs. It was a flawless drive in so many ways. But they did it in the elements. And, I mean, how many how many times do you hear on the road, oh, the Cardinals aren't going to be able to handle the weather. So I know it gets thrown around a lot, culture. But just the mental toughness in this case to handle all the above when there were so many excuses – to not win that game. And once again, they played Steelers football better than the Steelers when they leave T.J. Watt after the game saying, we got our behinds kicked. To spend almost 90 minutes in a locker room in delay time and to come out and respond both times the way the Cardinals did, 
is impressive. We heard from some of the players. There was a little bit of freestyling, a little bit of dancing, and just kind of stay loose. Uh, but the fact that they were able to still be so focused and lasered in to come out and perform the way they did after both of those delays says a lot about the mindset and mental strength as well as the leadership in that locker room. What really struck me was when that game started, obviously the offense was not good. And Kyler Murray said afterwards, you know, I was probably a little sped up. I wasn't feeling real comfortable. It took me a while to settle in. And you could tell he looked, whether it looked nervous or just anxious, he was playing like that. Um, And that wasn't everything. Obviously, they couldn't run the ball either. Um, But a defense that got absolutely run over the week before by the Rams to, to play the way it did against a team that wanted to run them over and, and hold up well enough. Obviously, the Steelers had a nice opening drive, got a field goal, um, but that was really all they got scoring-wise, and every time they had to have a play, the Cardinals' defense had a play, and, and they made that work up until the point where Kyler Murray and the offense started doing some stuff. I thought that was so impressive. James Conner was unbelievable. Trey McBride was unbelievable. I thought Kyler Murray played a game that was uh, way beyond what his stats would show. But I thought it was the defense that did something. I don't care if it was Kenny Pickett and Mitch Jabriskie. You know, they, they had played so poorly the week before, and the way they played Sunday was really impressive. Because let's face it, after the Rams loss at home, the way they lost that game, the way they gave up 228 yards rushing, nearly seven yards a carry, as lackluster an effort as that looked like at times, it was legitimate to be worried, to wonder. How are the last five games going to go? You're out of playoff contention. What is this going to look like? And my understanding is they saw a side of Jonathan Gannon after that Rams loss they had yet to see. And the message was sent, look, we might lose, but we're not losing like that. We're not losing with that lack of effort. So if nothing else, that's what you saw. To me, I mean, just that whole energy enthusiasm thing that Gannon talked about, that was there. Now, was the execution there early? No. Maybe a lot of guys were just over-anxious. I don't know. There were a lot of whiff blocks on the edges of the offensive line. They were missing guys. and But by the time they got to the fourth quarter and that last touchdown run by James Conner, third and goal from the nine, he didn't even get touched till inside the five. The offensive line surge, I mean, they wore down the Steelers which is what everyone expected the Steelers to do to the Cardinals. It it was impressive coming off that Rams loss on all three phases of the game, really. I mean, special teams didn't have a great game in that Rams game either. And kicker Matt Prater tied his own franchise record for most 50-plus yard field goals in a season with seven. And talk about... Prater Cook. I mean, talk about trusting your kicker. What what was the number we saw during four straight games where Prater has attempted a 50-plus yard field goal? And, and eight, eight games, games this season, and he's made seven of those nine. In the elements, that would have been good from 70. That was an absolute yeah, missile. crushed it. Incredible. Special teams had a much better performance. The defense had a much better performance after getting run all over by the Rams. And I like the way the Cardinals stuck with the run game this week. James Conner did not have an easy start. He had a hard time getting downhill, really finding those extra yards that he does such a good job at and, and really running through the tackles. Against the Rams, he had four carries on that first drive and then only two more the rest of the game. He had 25 carries in Pittsburgh, and it was a season-high 32, 38 carries, correct, for the team, Darren? 
38 total. You're yep. counting the three kneel downs at the end. Okay, so 35. Yeah. But the fact that we had heard earlier in the week from offensive coordinator Drew Petzing that in hindsight probably should have given the ball to Connor more and, and run stuck with the run game a little more. And, and the fact that that's what the Cardinals did this week and it ended up things started rolling in the second quarter and you could see the benefits of sticking with the run game. I like that as well. All three phases, a much better performance. Again, agree with the sticking with the run, but the the defense let them stick with the run. I mean, if the Steelers get 10 points on those first two drives, then you're starting to get a little skittish about how that might go, especially when you look at James Conner having 17 yards rushing at halftime on 10 carries. Um, the Conner thing was amazing. Obviously, everybody was hoping he could have – it was going to be a, a, a story anyways, just him going back. But for him to finish the way he did with 105 yards after 17 at halftime, 25 carries as you mentioned, that's only the third time in his career he's had 25 carries. He had one 25-carry wow. game with the Cardinals against the Chargers last year, 120 yards. And then he had a 31-carry game his second year, the first week of the season for the Steelers. Most of the time, he doesn't carry it that much. Most backs never carry it 25 times in a game anymore. And yet, here was a guy that, if you had to draw up that whole cliche of he got better as the game went on, he got stronger as the game went on, that was him. Like All his best runs were in like his last eight carries when... Like you said, they had wore down the Steelers. The offensive line was coming off the ball, and he he had something to show everybody. It seemed like a storybook homecoming yes. to go back to Pittsburgh where he played in college, played all of his home games at what is now Akershire Stadium. Despite you know some injuries, a cancer diagnosis, the Steelers took a chance on him, drafted him in 2017 where he started his career to go back into Pittsburgh, a city that Connor had made it clear earlier in the week still meant a lot to him. And you could feel the love pregame, I'm sure, Paul, during the game from the fans. It wasn't just fans who had traveled in Connor Cardinals jerseys. There were plenty of Steelers Connor jerseys. And those fans a lot of times were holding a jersey for from Pitt for him to sign. I saw I saw a Cardinals fan who had a poster of pictures of her with Connor, and they were all of when Connor was in a Pittsburgh jersey. It wow. was just it's yeah. the ty- the type of person he is. You want to cheer for him regardless of which team you are a fan of. So to have the performance, he did a great individual performance, a great team performance, a win in that kind of weather. You just you want nothing more than that for somebody like Connor. And he did all the media obligations afterwards, which I give him props for. He Including met- myself, very yep. grateful for that. Yep. And I'll be honest with you, all right, full disclosure, I'm walking off the field and, and Connor was with you doing the TV side. I think, well... You're not getting them for radio. And then when I got into the locker room and I'm firing up the the gear and it's down on the floor and I look up and number six is standing over me. So it was great. He came, he did the radio, he did network TV, he did the media. Well, as long as he podium, did all that, so that then, he, then he had, before he actually met in the regular media in the podium, he had to shower and everything, so I had to sweat it at the end. But I'm glad you guys were good. <laughs> but I asked him, I said, look, uh, is this the way you envisioned it? I mean, you know, when you were anticipating this week, I mean, if you had to write it up and he paused and smiled and, you know, he says more sometimes with his expressions yes. than he does with his words, he, but it doesn't get much better than the way it turned out. When when he came into the media room, he gets up there and I asked the first question. I said, so I said, when you talked to us last week in the press conference, you said, hey, if, if, if three years hadn't gone by... And what he had said last week was if three years hadn't gone by, it might be a little bit more of a big deal. But it's been three years since I've been a Cardinal, all this stuff. 
So I say, if three years hadn't gone by, and he cut me right off, and he smiled, and he goes, why, 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 I knew, why you got to bring that up? <laughs> and I, he goes, finish, finish. And I said, well, obviously this had to mean a lot to you. And, and then he got that smile, yeah. which we all know what that smile is. And he, again, he's not with the words. If you see it in print, it may not come across how you know he means it. But if you watch it on video and you watch his body language, uh, you could tell. I mean, there was... Yeah. If he had to draw it up, that's how he would have wanted to draw it up. To get a win, to perform the way he did, I think that meant so much to him. And end up on angry runs after he just tossed Patrick Peterson aside. Just as incredible as Connor's performance was in Pittsburgh was Kyle Brandt's performance <laughs> yes. on that segment. And look, yeah. I, look, I was not here, so I can't really delve too much into it. So I did not personally cover Patrick Peterson. I know that he was very vocal, as he has been in the past on social media, ahead of playing the Cardinals. So the fact that it was Peterson that J.C. stuffed and and hit to the ground with that one hand, the fact that Kyle Brandt brought out, have you guys watched it yet? Yes. Oh, he yeah. brought out a level just yeah. to show the power behind yeah. that stiff arm. Incredible. I, I love the line, by the way, where he said, it's like James Conner is like James Conn beating up Carlo, which is a <laughs> reference to the original yeah. Godfather when James Conn is pounding Carlo <laughs> on the curb in the street, just pummeling him. I'm going to... A quick aside on the Patrick Peterson stuff. I know there's a lot of fans with some really strong feelings. Look, I always... Well, he had some strong comments about Kyler Murray he did. a year ago. He did. And again, that's where I'm going with it. Like, look, I, I... Patrick was always a guy who the words got away from him once in a while. And sometimes I don't even think he realized the words got away from him. And he was one of those guys where if you were there listening... Sometimes it sounded a little bit different than if you just saw it in print of what he said. True. I will also say that obviously he had some very hard feelings when he left here. He said some fairly harsh things, understandably, about the former GM and and that understood. But the former GM is gone. And and by the way, after the Minnesota win last year, what did he do? He came to the Cardinals sideline and was caught on camera. Yeah. And I was right there and he was yelling out, where's Kime? Yeah. Where's Kime? And... He said some things about the quarterback, which when the when he was here, my understanding is that those two guys had a pretty good relationship. And it's just it's a little disappointing. Obviously, he said some things going into this game, looking forward to another win. So, yes, I, while I I have sometimes some mixed feelings with Patrick, I completely understand the fan base that relished that video even, <laughs> even though it didn't count as a play because of a penalty oh, i'm gonna say what kyle brand said on good morning football which yes the play was negated but then so are you darren from bringing that up i'm just excited because this is the third time that connor has won the angry run scepter and so when you get the scepter you do a photo shoot and our team photographer caitlin epps did a really really cool photo shoot last time connor got it last season so i'm excited to see i don't know if that's going to take a little bit of time now that it's the bye week so everybody's kind of out of the building well see the, here's the here's the problem that i was thinking about that like by the if if james connor isn't back till next week i mean are you going to do one even though they're about to a point maybe you'll just do a run? selfie but in the past the pictures have no, been pretty I, cool no i trust oh, me yeah. it's, i would love to see that but i don't i don't know because of the bye week that may that may jack the whole thing up uh, but does it get any better than the post-game picture Caitlin snapped of the head coach with the game ball that in his hand incredible in the locker room. about to give the game ball to James Conner? We suggested Calvisi Consulting the Pauly Pigskin Division that the game ball says bully ball because that's his phrase, bully ball. He got that from the Steelers. 
And I can tell you on that sideline, there were plenty of guys yelling out, bully the bully. That was the mindset. And that's what, that's what James Conner is. The dude is a mindset. He's a mentality, the way he plays. It's funny because Kyle Vandenbosch said it didn't shock him that a number of guys took some mysterious angles to the football on defense for the Steelers when the game was decided in the fourth quarter. It's funny how that happens. Well, I, I, as much as I want to give, and, and James gets all the credit in the world for piling up all those yards late, it was, it was not the same defensive effort that was stopping him early in the game that was looking at him when they were down 21 points and he was coming at him full speed. But it's amazing how guys aren't as willing to come after a James Conner as maybe a smaller, more diminutive American running back than a guy who played defensive end at Pitt with Aaron Donald before they converted him full-time to running back. So that's how you know you're in the NFL, by the way. When a guy who played defensive end at Pitt is all of a sudden a Pro Bowl running back, you're like, okay, freak show here. So that was good to see. And I mean, that picture got a lot of attention, did it not? Well, it's it's funny because James Conner and Jonathan Gannon, two people in this building who don't typically like to show a lot of emotion. So the fact publicly. that we publicly, mm-hmm. yes. So the fact that we saw emotion from Conner post game, those little smiles and and chuckles, and to see that fired up JG, and you can a picture is worth a thousand words, and you can come up with more than a thousand words to to understand when you see that picture. To understand, some of them might need to be beeped out. Yes. Why JG felt that way? Well, when I ran into the locker room, the uh, and, and I'm the first one in there due to the post game radio. Some uh, smart guy was cranking up "Renegade" by Sticks. We did hear that through the wall. <laughs> did you? Yeah. yeah. So that was good. I did notice that. That really was the highlight for the Steelers fans. The Yinzers in the stands really was the beginning of the fourth quarter and "Renegade" over the PA system. Other than that, they didn't have much to cheer about. That was my first time in Pittsburgh. And so even though the press box glass mutes a lot of that, it was still cool to be able to hear the song and and the fans who had very graciously stayed until that point in the game through two weather delays, especially when their team was down as many points as they were. That was just, it it was, it's one of those, I felt the same way when I went to Lumen Field for the first time, right? These these well-known, long-lasting stadiums that have so much history behind them, it's, it's cool to go and see that as part of our job. And the icing on the cake was that after Renegade played, which is played when the Steelers need a big defensive stop in the fourth quarter, uh, Greg Dortch came in clutch with that impressive catch to convert a third down. So that was a nice little touch. I told Craig Griel of this, but I'll relay it to you guys. Um, On the sideline, there was that catch by Dortch, and everyone's like, oh my goodness, guys on the sideline just reacted. Just couldn't be more impressed. And then he had the punt return where he started one way and then he flipped back the other and he made like three guys miss and it didn't net a whole bunch of yards. Just ridiculous, though, how stupid he made a couple of those, those punt cover guys look. And Kelvin Beecham was standing next to me and he was giving me a hard time because I was maintaining my notebook through the weather delay. Okay, so it's a little smeared right here. But Wait a boom, minute, is that it? This is it. It See, actually I, I'm, survived. I'm going to say, Paul, yeah. I've seen you after some weather games. Yeah. And your notebook looks like well, crap. Okay, I don't know if we want to get this on camera. Here's the uh, water damage notes. Okay. Uh, it doesn't look as card. bad as I Not thought as it was. Yeah, yeah. Try it out a little bit. But uh, Kelvin Beecham was very adamant. Write down Greg Dortch. He's all, 83, write it down. And I'm like, and I laugh. And I go, <laughs> no, write it down. <laughs> I, I'm like, I big, kill you. Big, like big Kelvin Beecham. I'm like, yes, sir, Mr. Beach. <laughs> 83, Dortch. That's D-O-R-T-C-H, okay? I'm like, but... Uh, you know what, and, and I know Beach probably what, he got a few meaningless snaps at the end, but you know he's a former Steeler as well, and so they knew, the team knew what it needed to do 
to beat the Steelers. Now, do we ever expect T.J. Watt after the game to say we got our butts kicked? Mike Tomlin to say we looked like we were playing JV football? No, I didn't see that coming. Um, but for a Cardinals team to rebound like that, I mean, that's the sort of win that you can reference as Jonathan Gannon going forward, right? Where every young guy in this team, all the first and second year players, and there are a ton, now you know you went into Pittsburgh in December and with a banged up roster, you beat a Steelers team that was leading the AFC wildcard, something that rarely ever happens on their home field in December under Mike Tomlin. As we, as we head into this bye and there's four games remaining, what was the it feels like one of the big narratives or one of the big hopes or whatever you want to call it going into the season was if this team can find itself as in a lot of ways the Lions and Dan Campbell's first year where they didn't win a lot of games but you could see something and it whether you want to compare it to the Lions or not that's up to you but I, you can see something this does not look like a three-win team now They've had the main quarterback back for these last four games, and that's where they got to two wins. And and at two and two, if Kyler Murray had been healthy the whole time with this roster, this is I would that's where I kind of would have picked them somewhere around seven to ten wins somewhere in there. And that's kind of what they're doing right now. But the fact that they're able to maintain enough focus to not let this get sideways late in the season with the record the way it is I just think is a a big testament to what Jonathan Gannon is doing right now that was something I'd ask Connor in my postgame interview is the mindset and the resiliency of this team to bounce back coming off a lackluster performance against the Rams the week prior and Connor said our record does not resemble and doesn't show the fight that we have and and that's a great way to put it you're right Darren this does not look like a three-win team. They have been putting together a lot of good pieces, not always in the same game on all the three phases of the game, but coming off a week like this week against the Steelers when all three phases looked like they were clicking and we saw complimentary football for the first time where the offense was putting points on the board after the defense had forced turnovers, you're getting a sense of what this team can really be. That's still dealing with injuries. You didn't have wide receivers. Michael Wilson, Hollywood Brown left the game with a heel injury that had plagued him all week, kept him out of practice all week. I think this is a good good preview, though, of the core players on offense and defense when you got Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson back in that safety room after they were hurt. With the core players, you're getting a good preview of what this team can really look like when you have – a little bit more time under Gannon and his coordinators and this coaching staff. And you can add a few more personnel pieces where you have some holes and you're having to really dig deep in the depth of, of position rooms that don't have a lot of experience. While you might be getting enough, you can absolutely get more. But you are getting a good idea of what this team can really look like this season. Paul, you and I have watched this team for many, many years. A game where the quarterback, and it wasn't a lot of completion, it was 13 completions, but the game where the quarterback had 13 completions and 11 went to tight ends. Yeah. You know what I thought of, honestly? I thought of uh, Carson Palmer in the way he won some games. Yeah. Because the passing stats to Carson didn't matter. But to me, that's why it was such a big step for Kyler. Not only what happened over the course of the game, we'll get into that specifically, but the fact it's how you won the game where you had the rushing stats, right? Almost four yards a carry, 150 yards rushing. You outrushed the Steelers. 
third down, 10 of 17, after you started 0 for 4. I mean, you could have gone in the tank as an offense. You didn't. You ripped off 8 out of 9 at one point, 5 on the 99-yard drive, 3 for 3 in the red zone. No turnovers against a top-five takeaway defense. Pittsburgh, they were number one with the Niners in turnover ratio. So all those key winning stats, you didn't light up the passing game. And to your point, Danny, it's a good point. No Michael Wilson, no Zach Pascoe. You still ran the ball without your two best run-blocking receivers who were very vital first couple months of this season in the run game. They're no longer at your disposal. It was just the manner in which they went out there. And to me, that was the winning football that Gannon talks about. That's what they're looking for. And then I, I think it was the answer to the question that we all posed after the Rams lost. Well, what would have happened if you used the same game plan, the same play calling the rest of the game as you used on that first drive when you went 12 plays, 75 yards, under center five times, four carries to James Conner? Well, guess what? This is what happens. He carries it 25 times. He goes over 100 yards. Kyler's under center 24 times, more than the first three games combined. That's what it looks like if you continue with the same plan of attack, use that opening drive against the Rams at home. I will say there's a caveat to that, and it goes back to what I was talking about originally, which is the defense has to ball. Yes. You, you're not going to be able to do that. When they play the 49ers coming out of the bye, and if the 49ers go and score 10 points on their first two drives or 14 points on their first two drives and you had a slow start offensively, you're not you're not running James Conner 25 times. So there, there's going to be, and that's why I think that these last four games are so interesting to me. You're going to play the 49ers at home. You're going to go to Chicago in the weather. Not a great team, but it's you know Christmas Eve on the road in Chicago. Then that weather sounds really nice to me. <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to it. Uh, sorry, Paul. Uh, and uh, then sp- uh, uh, speaking. Uh, uh. Sorry, Danny. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's gallows humor. <laughs> it's gallows humor by that. Danny. I yep. forgot about yep. that. Yep. Um, and then we go to then we go to Philadelphia the next week, which is going to be another, I'm sure, lovely afternoon. By the way, Red Sea, if you saw the video of Eagles fans pelting those two Niner fans with snowballs, uh, proceed cautiously. Okay, uh, if you're going to wear a Cardinals jersey into the Eagles stadium, yes. be real careful. Yeah, that's one setting where it's no joke. Yeah, I I think that's a fair fair point. Yeah. I forgot yeah. that you got you get to do yeah. that exciting sideline. Oh, there's. I no, am actually excited. I'm just going to dress sure really warm. But you know what? Can I say this about the defense? Make too? sure you have clean socks. Paul Paul struggled with his socks on the way home. Well, did you you didn't bring extra socks? Did you? Were you wearing wet socks for like four hour four and a half hours, Paul? Close to about seven hours. That, that's that's, that's right. a really it's rookie okay. mistake, Paul. No, that's Paul. really disappointing. Was, no, at, at one point I did go into the back of the plane and I, I was able to uh, retrieve some clean socks, some okay. dry socks, and uh, okay. yeah, let that. So yeah, um, Wolf might embellish how much I was whining about it. <laughs> Although that was definitely a factor. I, 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 I actually, I might have heard yeah, something yeah, out of Paul's yeah, own yeah, mouth. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, it been, uh, you know, well, Wolf's up there having his coffee and his Danish, and he's uh, in there. You know, uh, so look. <laughs> Is for the defense, let me just say this. Um, and I asked Gannon this after the game, and I got one of those James Conner answers where he sort of laughed, and that was more telling than the answer itself. The old Anquan Bolden answers. <laughs> yes. And I just said, um, how many different looks did you show the Steelers today? Because in talking to some guys after the game, I'm like, I asked that same question. Like, oh, we had a lot more. That's all they would say. We had a lot more. Like, we showed them a ton, and we had a lot more. Because keep in mind, Kenny Pickett is a second-year quarterback. He's got a year and a half in the league. So they went in, and they had a ton of different looks. They also made a small adjustment to my eye 
on third and obvious passing situations, Josh Woods came out of the game. He got victimized against the Rams more than once by Kyron Williams in coverage, Tyler Higby in coverage, and they threw Owen Papow out there, uh, a guy with you know really good speed. He's raw as a rookie, great athleticism, and they threw him out there in those third and obvious. So you see a Cardinals defensive coaching staff that I thought outcoached Tomlin. I thought really it was they, this scheme was better and more confounding to the Steelers than it was the other way around. And how often do you ever say that about a Mike Tomlin coach team? So that makes me bullish on the future as well. I also noticed, Darren and I were talking during the game, that you could see when they put Drubisky in that the defense was moving around a lot more at the line of scrimmage. There was a, I don't remember if Pittsburgh, it was a delay game, or they ended up calling a timeout pretty late, but you could tell that they, they did not know what they were seeing in the Cardinals defense. We also noticed that Woods would move outside quite a bit. If you would put, you know, Chris Barnes more in, in that middle linebacker role, they were using Woods off the edge a little bit more this week. Do, is that on opponents at this point that they can't figure out the eleven card pickup as we've turned it? You know, the eleven card pickup where guys are just meandering in the box and who goes where, and maybe you have one traditional defensive lineman, but it's a lot of linebackers and safeties. I mean. You would think teams would have an answer to that by now. Cardinals have put that on film a lot. Well, for me, when you say that, I, I get a couple of reactions. One, the probably the bigger one is, again, you're playing an opponent that you see once every four years. And I know it's a new team anyways, but it's like you get one week to kind of prep for this, and maybe it's just not enough. And two, it, it was Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett and yep. a new offensive coordinator. Yep. I mean, we'll, we'll see what – Brock Purdy, MVP candidate, and that offense yeah. is seeing when they... Pittsburgh play. also just signed Trace McSorley, so you never know. Wow, I did not see that. By the way, speaking of coaching, did you catch what Jonathan Gannon said on Monday after the Pittsburgh Steelers win when he was asked about, I believe it was, oh, the, the difference in third downs, starting 0-4, ending up 10-17. One of those was a Kyler Neal down, so you're really 10-16 on third down. And as part of his answer, he said, I talked with Drew about it today. You can't be afraid to repeat plays when they're good. Interesting. Right? You're a first-time offensive coordinator. You're a first-time play caller. I'm guessing, you know, you're prone to, hey, I got a million different plays. Let's keep them off balance. But guess what? If you keep hitting with a single play, go back to it till they stop it. Just like Kyler was doing with Trey McBride, Right? They can't cover him. Here we go. Again. Again. McBride on a linebacker. Mismatch. Again. McBride on a slower box safety. Again. And I thought that was a really underrated part of the game plan and what they did. is they just, Like, for example, how many times did the Rams in those two games this year run the stinking crack toss? They kept going with the crack toss until the Cardinals stopped it, which they didn't. I mean, we put that on the radar. Cardinals got to figure that out in the offseason. The Rams crack toss because they're going to see it in the first meeting next year. Yeah. As long as Sean McVay doesn't go to the Monday Night Football booth or whatever. <laughs> you know, so there was that. And then there was Kyler in the post game in Pittsburgh, where, he, to your point earlier, just to get a little more specific on what you already brought up, Darren, where he said, yeah, or it was, uh, it was Gannon who verified what Kyler said on Sunday that his feet are so good that sometimes he gets sped up a little too much. And that Kyler told him after the second or third series, okay, I feel settled in now. He wasn't as quick to go through his reads. And maybe his reads and his progressions were ahead of the receivers. He was so amped up. And 
you know, you're trying to get that rhythm, whatever that means. But part of rhythm is when you get into the base of your drop, you know, and you, you hitch and you want the ball out in rhythm with a receiver coming out of his break. And they didn't quite have that in sync yet. And it looked like even though we had two receptions to receivers, I get it. There were definitely a couple other big shots that could have been. Rondale oh, yeah, Moore, sure. beautiful ball, 40 yards it could have been. And then, obviously, the touchdown toss that got wiped out by the holding. Well, yeah, if 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 things would have been a little bit different, Rondale Moore might have been one of the stars yeah, of the game, unfortunately. No and and I, know, I know going back to our Patrick Peterson conversation that there's a lot of fans that were disappointed that the other one got – the touchdown catch got called back. And that was an unbelievable trapping against the helmet – catch and everything and and i'm sure rondale would probably say that i should have had that first one i don't know if it, it wouldn't have been a touchdown the more i look at it but he would have been down inside the 10 yard line on a fantastic throw by kyler and that's what i mean when i said earlier that kyler's game wasn't reflected by those stats because i mean there's there's 100 yards of passes right there and at least one score that he didn't get because of whatever happened and um he he was throwing the ball much better again once he settled down like you said than he had been. I wonder if Kyler, if he would have completed those, especially against Pat P, would have said after the game, I wonder if he would have channeled his inner Brock Purdy and said, and by the way, that was against Patrick Peterson. Remember when Brock Purdy <laughs> yes. did that earlier this year? Yes. They asked him about a touchdown pass, and, and Purdy actually offered up to the media. That was, was that last year or this year? Was I think that? it was earlier this okay. year. Right, I think it was because the, the the picture of Purdy when he was really young, yeah. that picture he took with uh, Patrick Peterson was circulating yeah. before right. that game. Yeah, but, but Pat P had a couple of comments before that game about what they were going to do to Brock Purdy and the Niners receivers. And so Purdy was was quick to point out who that touchdown toss came against. So that was uh, highly entertaining, I thought. By the way, Danny, your first trip to Pittsburgh, were you amazed at how they put fries into everything? I mean, literally everything. They put them into the sandwiches. They put them into salads. There's fries on pizza, tater tot pizza. Uh, did you experience any of that? I respect it. No, I did not. Look, I had had um, Permanente Brothers before, um, so I, I, we didn't hit that spot. And actually the week prior here at our facility, I think we had talked about it. They made a Pittsburgh salad where they had fries and the yes. salad, which I tried yes. better than I was expecting. You know what? This, this was my first time ever going to Pittsburgh. And for some reason I had low expectations and I was actually pleasantly surprised with how much I enjoyed the city. It's a little too gloomy for my liking, but that's any Midwest city at this time of the year. So I understand, but the weekend that, we had at least the group of us that were kind of doing a bunch of stuff. I mean, I felt like we had been there for four days by the time it was kickoff on Sunday. I, mean, like, I told Darren I needed a nap before the game started from the adventures that we had. But I actually really enjoyed Pittsburgh. It was it was a good time. Did you go by that old uh, Christmas Bazaar Market Square we area? We did. Yeah. We were actually going to try to ice skate around the tree, but the line was too long, which is actually probably for the better for me because I'm not good on skates, and so I would have had – you know, there's a good chance I probably would have had like my wrist in a cast or a black eye or concussion or something come game time. Yeah, uh, yeah, and you never know with those Pittsburghers, you know, and the Penguins fans, they've been out there throwing hip checks out on the uh, ice rink, even though it's Christmas time. So, yeah, it, it it is. It's it's a cool town the way they, you know. But uh, yeah, it, being downtown was really cool. When it didn't rain on Saturday, I knew we were so hosed for Sunday. That the rain you was, you were so hosed. yeah that's we, true yeah. Danny and I that's were in true. the press box yeah, we're that's good true. that's true yeah sorry Paul oh boy so um all right what else am I missing here um, Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee oh yeah okay Jonathan Ledbetter fantastic press conference to the media Tuesday 
And he was amazing in the video they put out when he was called. Michael Bidwell announced him as the winner, and he came out of the seats in the team meeting and just impromptu gave a speech. Really well done. For those who don't know, every team has a nominee based on their efforts in the community, and and each nominee will wear a decal on their helmet the rest of the year and gets a sizable donation towards a charity of their choice. And then Super Bowl weekend, the Walter Payton Man of the Year is announced. Ledbetter... I feel like it's it doesn't just say a lot about the type of person he is and the work he does in the community because he truly, no exaggeration, is at almost every single community event that this organization puts on. He touched on it a little too. It's it kind of encompasses the year he's had, maybe of that underdog, somebody who's more in the shadows and, and isn't a position player where he has those big stats or numbers, isn't necessarily a household name, and that he's been okay with that role. And this year, his role includes stepping up as a leader in a position room that has been bit by the injury bug, to say the very least, and has performed well on the field and has stepped up as a leader in the community as well. He showed up to his press conference in a suit. He made sure that people got pictures of him at the end where he looked good because he wanted to send them to his mom, who was (laughs) the person he was most excited to call and tell about the award anyway. It was just he was so well-spoken and intentional about the way he talked about his efforts in the community and what has led him in his life to being so passionate about who he is as a person and what this award means to him, Darren. It was, I was almost in awe sitting there of like the 20 minutes just flew by because he was so great up there at the podium. I'm a big Jonathan Ledbetter fan. I have been for a while. We talked in training camp about how he was kind of an old soul. He's only 26, but he carries himself uh, a lot older than that. And I mean that in a good way in terms of just how he does things. And I do think he's turned into a, a very solid player. He's turned into a big leader in that locker room. And he definitely comes across to me as the type of player that Monty Awesomefort would want on this roster. So I would expect him to be around. Um, you know, he's not obviously super expensive, but he's been playing some solid football. And, and this defensive line, the names they've had all year and then you add in the injuries, they should not be as effective as they are. And they are. Kevin yeah. Strong has been more effective than expected. Yeah. Roy Lopez, more. Ex- it just it, you can go down the list and it's it's really it's really kind of amazing. Yeah, Roy, I was talking to Roy Lopez last week and he just said this scheme is such a better fit for what he does than when he was in Houston. So I don't know if that was just sort of a lucky strike of a signing, but I mean, Roy Lopez has averaged like five tackles a game as an interior D lineman. We've called his name a lot. And then Kevin Strong, obviously, we saw what the Cardinals run defense looked like without Kevin Strong against the Rams. And then he had the big, he was part of the big stuff at the goal line that was the turning point of the game. I mean, honestly, almost every game we go into, right, the Cardinals go into, you look at the opposing D line room, they have all these big names, guys you've heard of. Most people have never heard of anybody in the Cardinals' D-line room, but they've been balling, I mean, in a lot of ways. I'm really curious to see how they address that in the offseason because a lot of these guys were acquired as free agents, but they're still in their mid-20s. Yeah, it, I am fascinated. I mean, we haven't, we're not even talking. Lecky Fotu's on IR. LJ Collier's on IR. Carlos, Carlos Watkins Mike, yeah. is on IR. Yeah. Those, those three guys were all part of the main rotation until they went down, so... I am fascinated by it. I, I do think that I could see them trying to get some kind of blue-chip defensive lineman, but you don't need a lot of them. You just want one guy to kind of anchor it. Now, if you can hit on a draft pick like you did with Trey McBride, who has been 
unbelievable. I mean, we talked about James Conner earlier, and I know you talked about McBride on that one thing, but like the tight end thing is just, it's it's amazing to me. I, I, I was talking to Wolf on the plane, and Wolf's like, he thinks he was telling me he thinks if McBride keeps upgrading his blocking to go with what he's doing catching the ball he goes the Cardinals have George Kittle that would be pretty amazing Kyle Vandenbosch this morning in a Red Sea report about Trey McBride posed the question is there another young tight end you'd rather have on your roster if you were starting a team today which tight end would you take would you take a Kelsey or Kittle at the end of their career or would you take a Trey McBride? I said, well, Lions fans would probably yeah, throw out Sam Laporta. Laporta. I mean, Hawkinson, you know, Mark Andrews is still in his prime, gets banged up a lot. But, you know, point made by yes. Kyle Vandenbosch. That, that's, and isn't it from weeks 8 through 13 now? Trey McBride has the most receptions of any tight end in the NFL, and he's number two in receiving yards. I, I, saw, I saw a stat that if you extrapolate what he's done over a 17-game season since Kyler came back, it's like 116 catches and 1,300 yards for a 17-game season. We had talked about when Zach Ertz was still on IR, if Ertz were to come back, had McBride earned that starting role. The Cardinals released Ertz last week, and McBride stepped up as he's continued to do the last couple of weeks and showing that he can be a true number one tight end. And you can tell that Kyler is really beginning to trust and rely on McBride. I think you saw that when Kyler went back to McBride after that first touchdown was negated and, and went back to him again. And, and we've seen that, and it's been impressive. Paul, you talk about this all the time, that one of McBride's best traits is he does not go down on first contact. It is hard to get him down, it's similar to a James Conner. And McBride has really become a staple of this offense, especially when you've got a wide receiver's room that hasn't been able to really put up the numbers you would need them to. The Right now, Trey McBride, the very next catch he makes, which I assume will be against the 49ers, will set the franchise record for catches in a season. And that will be with three-plus games to go. And he wasn't even a main target. He was targeted 10 times in the first five games. So he barely got targeted those first five weeks, and he still piled up those numbers. He's already at 610 yards. Not a, not a gigantic amount, but 610 yards isn't bad when you were only targeted f- 10 times in five weeks. And oh, by the way, he's the first Arizona Cardinal to surpass 600 yards receiving. Wow. As a tight end. Yeah. As a tight end. Yeah. Um, and if he can somehow get to 800 yards, he needs 190 yards over these last four games, possible. He would be only the second player, only second tight end in, fr- in or- franchise history to get 800 yards. Jackie Smith had 1,205 one year and 810 one year. And then you would have Trey McBride. Mm. And those two years were 66 and 67. So it's been a minute since the Cardinals have had much production from a tight end. And now all of a sudden they look like they might have some guy who you could really count on for the next five, six, seven years. I know we talk a lot about the rookie class. There's also been a lot of players from the previous regime in year two, maybe year three, that we have really seen step up either in a similar role or somebody like Zayvon Collins make a position change and, and still be effective. And as much props as we've given to this front office and the coaching staff for the development of the rookies, I think it also says a lot that a player like Trey McBride, who didn't get a lot of opportunities last year and wasn't able to be nearly as effective as he has been this year, that's still impressive as well, even though they're not rookies. 
Let me say two things about Trey McBride. One, we had him on the Big Red Rage last month, and we asked him about his mindset, the mentality. He doesn't go down, and he said he had a college coach early in his college career tell him, you should never go down on first contact. A dude with your athleticism and size in that lower half, like you you shouldn't don't don't let a, a safety or a DB bring you down especially. So that that's where he said that stems from. But can I also say this? If you go back and you track his production, his surge this year, doesn't it more sync up with Zach Ertz going on IR? Because if you go back to week six is when he first started making imprint, four for sixty-two in the loss against the Rams, 26-9. to nine. He was quiet in Week 7. Then Week 8 against Baltimore, Josh Dobbs was still in that game. It was still starting that game, obviously. He had 10 for 95 in that 17-yard touchdown where everyone shoved him in. And that's where it really started to me, at least in my mind, is when Zach Ertz was out. Sort of lifted. He was out of Zach Ertz's shadow. And he was featured more in terms of the targets and maybe he was used more as a receiving tight end than he had been previously. He was flexed out more. To me, that's where it sort of sinks up. And, and I just wonder if maybe his confidence grew once he wasn't around a three-time Pro Bowl tight end who maybe you know took most of the spotlight in that position room. Now all of a sudden he was allowed. He had the room to grow because Zertz was no longer in the picture. That's just at least my thinking on that. So then when it came to the point where maybe he was ready to come off IR, Zach Ertz, they said, you know what? Yeah, the feeling's mutual. You're looking for a contender, and we've got tight end one. So let's go ahead and grant you your wish, and you go find another team. It's interesting that as we sit here and record this on Tuesday of the bye week, Ertz still hasn't found a team yet when everybody thought that that would probably happen by now. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, what else? Anything? Uh, any big plans that I can live vicariously through when it comes to the bye weekend? I'm going home to Dallas for a few days. I realize I haven't really been home since May, so it's been it's been a hot minute. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, you, are you going to be saddled with dog sitting? Isn't that what happened last time you went home? You had to you end up dog sitting <laughs> for various last, fa- that, family members. Do I remember that summer. right? No, that was that's a good memory, Paul. I went. God, I'm going to have to throw her under the bus. My parents were going out of town uh, for a wedding, and my older sister still like my my nephew was too young and. My younger sister had too many plans over the weekend to drive back and forth from where she lives out to where my parents' house is. So I did fly home at one point to watch my dogs, which I would do anytime they needed. I love my dogs. I'm very looking forward to <laughs> yeah. seeing them tonight. tonight. Good memory, Paul. Tonight. You're not wasting any time getting I'm out not. of town. I'm leaving after work. Wow. And then lots of family okay. time. My dad's actually going to come out uh, back with me and spend the week with me. And then that following weekend, my, the rest of my family is going to join him and come out here for the 49ers game. I'm hoping my nephew will wear his Kyler jersey because oh, ever yeah. since he wore it for yeah. picture day, he gets very confused wearing it because it's not picture day anymore. And it used to be his bird gang jersey. And I got a text from my sister this morning actually saying that he's now calling it his Kyler jersey. So he's he's picking up on things, which is good news. Hmm. Yeah. I'm going over to uh, MC this golf tournament, Cardinals alum golf tournament. A few years ago, they took away my golf clubs and they gave me the PA mic. So I'm still trying to recover from that but you know when you go by the moniker Polly three putt that, that's what happens so okay we'll go over there I'll try not to get bear hugged by Michael Bankston and uh you know we'll see how that goes maybe I'll rip off a few jokes at Jay Feely's expense you know and uh and make a quick exit I, I don't know we'll see how it goes this year Darren are you taking any time off for the bye week please say yes yes I'm Yay. taking some time off 
so he can coach some so more proud. basketball. That's what he's gonna. That's his downtime. He gets his mental health coaching basketball. You, you know, not coaching. Watching my son's coach basketball. I see. Okay. All right. You got to coach up the coaches. And there you go. There you go. And that'll do it for this edition of Cardinals Underground. Brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.